Sego, scan and go. Welcome to our Thanksgiving episode of the Stolen Series on Sacred Teachings. For our people, the border between the United States and Canada is an invention of colonialism, not something we relate to. The Right Reverend Carol Joy Walking Stick Theobald Gallagher is a Cherokee woman, and she is the first Indigenous woman bishop in the Episcopal Church in the United States. Carol is our sister, Carol is our friend, and together we have gotten into some good trouble. She joined our producer, Lisa Berry, to reflect on what's happening in the United States right now and about how to celebrate the gifts of one another. Hi, Bishop Carol. Thanks for joining us from your home in Massachusetts. What's life like in the U.S. right now? Well, I... You know, we're less than a month away from election, which is a very critical election for many of us. And so I, I'm aware that there's a huge amount of anxiety that has lived with all of us during COVID. And, you know, now that our president has COVID and is still acting as if, you know, it's no big deal. I think there's just a lot of pain in our, particularly in our indigenous communities about the inability of many of our leaders to be honest about the grief and sorrow and challenge. You know, we as Native people don't talk about being winners and losers. We don't, you know, we have a much more relational sense of the world. It's not I and thou, but we and, you know, the collected you. And I think that's one of the things that's unique not necessarily unique to Native people, to tribal people, Indigenous people. And I use a mixture of titles because there really is no one specific helpful term that encompasses everyone. But for us, it's so different to be, and particularly in this time in our period of history in the U.S., it is not about wealth for me alone, for my family, um, building empires as much as um, building something, making something, preparing something for the future. And I think that's one of the things that, um, particularly when we talk about Thanksgiving and Columbus, because the American Thanksgiving, you know, is all about pilgrims and the, the people who are their surviving ancestors. The Mashpee Wampanoag here in Massachusetts, where I live, tell a very different story of the first encounter, the first Thanksgiving, how they were treated, um, how they were trying to help and how misunderstood and inevitably abused and um, mistreated. None of us really have a sense of land as ownership um, as much as land as sacred and a gift and um, part of our living family. So you know, just the clash of ideas about Thanksgiving is for us, um, and particularly for um, the local tribes here, a very hard time. American Thanksgiving in um, Plymouth, there's actually something called Pilgrim's Progress, where people dress up as pilgrims and march around town. And um, so it's actually quite amusing. Um, 
but it's very, you know, the story is so, in many senses, made up. What Native people have always done at harvest time, traditionally, and, and feasting um, and giving thanks is just part of our normal life. And being greatly hospitable is part of who we are, part of just um, our identity. And it has sort of been co-opted in a very strange way. But I'm glad to be here with you. And we are very glad to have you. Thanksgiving weekend in Canada coincides with Columbus Day in the U.S. For a great many people, particularly Indigenous people, Columbus is not a heroic figure. In the over 500 years since the Europeans arrived, there have been continued threats to the survival of the First Peoples. COVID is the most recent of these threats. This kind of danger is not really new for Indigenous people, is it? In 1992, when we celebrated the 500th anniversary of the arrival of Columbus, and we had a service in the National Cathedral in Washington, um, the Smithsonian Institute was putting on a, a wonderful display. It was almost a year long. But one of the things that was astonishing to me, I, although I knew it intellectually, it didn't really hit home until I was walking the halls and they were talking about and reiterated over and over again that, you know, despite all of the wars and all of the, the violence, the physical violence that happened with settlers to native people. The truth was it was disease that did the absolute most damage. And, you know, we're 500 plus years later, we're almost in the same situation again. The critical lack of, healthcare, the critical lack of control. I mean, the Navajo Nation has been very careful to control who's coming in and out, but people aren't careful. Um, it's not that the Native people aren't careful. There are an awful lot of people who believe that they have a right to go wherever they want to, and in doing so, destroy other people's lives. And that manifest destiny attitude seems to be very apparent in many Americans, U.S., citizens at this point. And I think um, that does an enormous a lot of damage because even if people aren't terribly ill with COVID, who they can spread it to is extraordinary. I mean, it, here in Massachusetts, we were pretty much in lockdown for better part of two months. And we've had close to 10,000 people die in Massachusetts alone. And our hospitals were just overflowing. And so when you've lived through something like that, you recognize how our communal, relational ways of being as Native people, um, as indigenous people, is really important because we never stop thinking about the other, where, at least in the U.S., we have an awful lot of push to be selfish and take care of me only. That is our, to our detriment. That is to everyone's detriment. So several regions and clergy and lay leaders who were um, out there delivering food to their elders, but also teaching the kids how to grow traditional how to foods, how to make traditional foods. And um, lots of my relatives and people I know are really working on regaining and restoring traditional growing practices and traditional foods realizing that much of what we 
have been eating and surviving on and those kinds of things is really detrimental to our health. What's affordable or what's provided by various different, you know, local resources. So particularly our churches in Navajo land were raising fruits and vegetables to be able to distribute to the elders who didn't have the capacity to, to raise food or they just had limited space. Um, and they've been doing that socially distanced in masks very carefully. And it's been a tremendous gift to the community at large. Um, and I think that that model, um, and I've seen in other native communities, that model of caring for everyone in the midst of this has been, I think we have a lot to offer. We're easily overlooked. Um, we're easily put aside as um, decoration. You know, I've had to be sort of, okay, invited in at the last minute to say something when it's a, um, either in a church situation or a um, public situation. But I think the gift of our understanding of the fragile nature and independence of everyone and everything, the fabric of the world is interrelated and interconnected and that we can't ever live any other way than with sort of a radical awareness of that level of intimacy. Many of my relatives and friends have been living quietly that way all their lives. And, you know, they're not very self-promoting, um, but they have a lot to offer. What do we have to be thankful for right now? We have one another to be thankful for. <laughs> I was working on my doctorate and here in the U.S., and I was actually going around talking to Native leadership and what it meant to be a leader in Native communities and asking about the ordination process and things like that. And I had proposed that I would um, go um, to several different places, including New Zealand and Canada. My professors were like, well, that's a different country. They're different. They don't, I said, Native people don't think about the, the pretend boundaries that we've created, um, you know, nations and states have created. And I was able to be up in the PA and, you know, in other places and talk to people about their leadership. And we have so much to share and so much in common, although we are many, many diverse people. But I think the gift of one another is essential. We have differences of opinions. You know, we've had arguments. Many of us who've worked together in Native leadership in the church have had our differences, and yet we have more to share than we have and more gifts. And that's one of, and I see that across the Anglican communion. You know, we may be very different theologically, but we can learn so much. And then the other thing I find to be really thankful for is the vast beauty of this continent. And even though it's terribly damaged, it is still an incredible gift. And, you know, that people are making an effort to restore it and preserve it and heal it. You know, my um, friends who are in Alaska who are fighting for the caribou, my, you know, people who are fighting for rivers and the water protectors. There are people who are faithfully um, honoring the gifts they've been given. 
So the gifts that they that have been stolen from them perhaps can come back to them. Absolutely. Yeah, the gifts that you know, um, the things we can are thankful for, even though they've been taken away in some ways or conquered or um, tried to destroy. The one thing I know both about Native people, all of us, and about our lands is that they are resilient. Not only does the world turn towards justice, but it turns towards healing and reconciliation. And I think Native people know that instinctively. First Nations people understand that holding on sometimes is all that we can do, but there is always the, the hope and the expect, expectation of restoration and healing. Amazing. Thank you so much. Is there anything that you want to add that anything you didn't get a chance to say that you would like to say in this podcast? Well, I did want to share a story that I love telling. Um, and Ginny and Bishop Mark and many of us had a mentor um, for many years. She was the staff officer in the Episcopal Church for Native Ministries. And her name was Awana Anderson. And she and I were um, at a speaking engagement i don't remember where or when it's been so long um and she has um since passed on um taught us all and was really helped many of us grow into leadership roles um but the question was asked of awana what do you people want to be called what do you, what what's they wanted to get an answer of what the pc wording was for indigenous native first nations people and she said, well, you know, it's a really good thing. It's just a really good thing that Columbus was looking for a trade route to India because we got called Indians because of his intention of finding India. She said, it's just a really good thing that he wasn't looking for Turkey. It's a great story. <laughs> And one of the great gifts that Native people have, despite all that has been stolen, all of the damage, all of the removal, you know, there, we still have a sense of humor and a sense of hope. And that, for me, has always been a great gift. You know, it, it is really hard work, and yet so many of my Indigenous sisters and brothers hold it lightly still. And for that, I'm really grateful. Thank you so much. We are really grateful for you. Thanks, Bishop Carroll, for the wisdom of your teachings, a sense of humor and a sense of hope, good ways to find a light when things seem dark. We will close this podcast with special guests Michael Still and Dixie Bird reading the Thanksgiving address to the Haudenosaunee people in the words before all else. Today we have gathered and we see that the cycles of life continue. We have been given the duty to live in balance and harmony with each other and all living things. We bring our minds together as one and give greetings and thank each other as people. Now our minds are one. We are all thankful to our mother, the earth she gives us all that we need for life. She supports our feet as we walk upon her.
gives us joy that she continues to care for us as she has from the beginnings of time. To our mother, we send greetings and thanks. Now, our minds are one. We give thanks to all the waters of the world for quenching our thirst and providing us with strength. Water is life. We know its power in many forms, waterfalls and rain, mists and streams, rivers and oceans. With one mind, we send greetings and thanks to the spirit of the water. Now our minds are one. We turn our minds to all the fish life in the water. They were instructed to cleanse and purify the water. They also give themselves to us as food. We are grateful that we can still find pure water. We turn now to the fish and send our greetings and thanks. Now our minds are one. Now we turn toward the vast fields of plant life. As far as the eye can see, the plants grow, working many wonders. They sustain many life forms. With our minds gathered together, we give thanks to look forward to seeing plant life for many generations to come. Now our minds are one. With one mind, we turn to honor and thank all the food plants we harvest from the garden. Since the beginning of time, the grains, vegetables, beans, and berries have helped people survive. May other living things draw strength from them too. We gather all the plant foods together as one and send them a greeting and thanks. Now our minds are one. Now we turn to all the medicine herbs of the world. From the beginning, they were instructed to take away sickness. They are always waiting and ready to heal us. We are happy they are still among us, those special few who remember how to use these plants for healing. With one mind, we send greetings and thanks to the medicines and to the keepers of the medicines. Now our minds are one. We gather our minds together to send greetings and thanks to all the animal life in the world. many things to teach us as people. We see them near our homes and in the deep forests. We are glad they are still here and we hope that will always be so. Now our minds are one. We now turn our thoughts to the trees. The earth has many families of trees who have their own instructions and uses. Some provide us with shelter and shade, others with fruit, others with fruit, beauty, and other useful things. Many peoples of the world use a tree as a symbol of peace and strength. With one mind, we greet and thank the tree life. Now our minds are one. We put our minds together as one and thank all the birds who move and fly about over our heads. The Creator gave them beautiful songs. Each day, they remind us to enjoy and appreciate life. The eagle was chosen to be their leader. 
To all the birds, from the smallest to the largest, we send our joyful greetings and thanks. Now our minds are one. We are thankful to the powers we know as the four winds. We hear their voices in the moving air as they refresh us and purify the air we breathe. They help us bring the change of seasons. From the four directions they come, bringing us messages and giving us strength. With one mind, we send our greetings and thanks to the four winds. Now our minds are one. Now we turn to the west where our grandfathers, the thunder beings, live. With lightning and thundering voices that bring with them the water that renews life. We bring our minds together as one to send greetings and thanks to our grandfathers, the thunders. Now our minds are one. We now send greetings and thanks to our eldest brother, the sun. Each day, without fail, he travels from the sky, from east to west, bringing the light of the new day. He is the source of all the fires of life. With one mind, we send greetings and thanks to our brother, the sun. Now our minds are one. We put our minds together and give thanks to our oldest grandmother, the moon, who lights the nighttime sky. She is the leader of women all over the world, and she governs the movement of the ocean tides. By her changing face, we measure time, and it is the moon who watches over the arrival of children here on Earth. With one mind, we send greetings and thanks to our grandmother, the moon. Now, our minds are one. We give thanks to the stars who are spread across the sky like jewelry. We see them in the night, helping the moon to light the darkness and bring dew to the gardens and growing things. When we travel at night, they guide us home. With our mind gathering together as one, we send greetings and thank all the stars. Now our minds are one. We gather our minds to greet and thank the enlightened teachers who have come to help throughout the ages. When we forget how to live in harmony, they remind us of the way we were instructed to live as people. With one mind, we send greetings and thanks to these caring teachers. Now our minds are one. Now we turn our thoughts to the Creator, or Great Spirit, and send greetings and thanks for all the gifts of creation. Everything we need to live a good life is here on this Mother Earth. For all the love is still around us, we gather our minds together as one and send our choices, words of greetings and thanks to the Creator. Now our minds are one. We have now arrived at the place where we end our words. Of all the things we have named, it was not our intention to leave anything out. If something was forgotten, we will leave it to each individual to send such greetings and thanks in their own way. And now our minds are one.